Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Sons on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love reminiscing about the Big East and hate Jim Beheim, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, presented by Section 5. My name is David, and I am joined, as always, by Squid and Dylan, and we have a doozy for you today. Special guest, Chevy Troutman. That's a big one we got coming up for you guys. Really exciting. Great interview. Um, But we're going to start here today with some brand spanking new football news. The 2023 schedule was released this past week, and we have some feelings. Squid, Dylan, tell me your initial feelings. Going to New York and South Bend. I think I'll be in South Bend. I can't go to New York. I have a wedding that weekend. Fall weddings, ban them forever. But uh, you, you guys will have a good time in Yankee Stadium. Uh, another first feeling is the back to back of Florida State and Notre Dame. Sorry, it's at Notre Dame, then at home against Florida State. Seems to be the toughest two game stretch. But I also have to remind myself that this time last year, we thought the Miami game was going to be the de facto coastal title game. And (laughs) instead, we were just playing a five win Miami team and beat them by 30 in a uneventful 8 p.m. ACC network kickoff. I was just looking on the schedule and it feels so weird not playing Miami. I got to get used to the no divisions thing. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the new bubble, the pods. I think they're calling it. Why? Because we got the easiest one by like a lot. Yeah. 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 But also Same. Same it, team. It, it's nice to feel like you're in the same conference as teams in the Atlantic or teams who were in the Atlantic. Like we've played Louisville, Wake, but these teams what once every six years. So it feels actually feels like we're in the same conferences as the people on the other side. So I'm, I'm a fan and obviously a, a big plus was getting the the easy draw there, not getting a Clemson or a UNC, who's kind of known as a Miami. We got who we get BC, Syracuse, Syracuse and Virginia Tech. So oh. one program in a full, full, full rebuild, and two programs that are just kind of on life support on a year to year basis too. Like not not rebuilding. I would not call those rebuilding organizations. Um, but yeah. Aside from getting a pretty easy pod, uh, schedule's kind of tough next year. I'm I'm gonna try to temper my expectations because you're playing at West Virginia. You have Cincinnati the second week of the year, and then North Carolina the fourth week of the year. So you know after Wofford, it gets pretty serious pretty quickly after that opener. You got Cincinnati at West Virginia. Then Drake May is coming to Heinz Field. Uh, and then later in the season, we are playing at Notre Dame and then home against a Florida State team that people are already talking about way too much. Yeah, I was fully convinced that Florida State was going to be a problem this year. Just watching them play down the stretch. I'm like, Jordan Travis is actually good. What a plot twist. Right. But the fact that they're the team that's getting so much attention, like I saw somebody have them as their preseason number four and like the way too early rankings. And when I saw that, I'm like, okay, they're going to go like eight and four this year. And that they're was like Sports Illustrated letdown. or ESPN, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a pretty prominent um, 
publication. So they'll be this year's Miami just because that's how it works. It makes all the sense in the world for them to be getting hype. They they looked really good last year oh, yeah. and they're returning everybody and they crushed it in the transfer portal. That, you know, you add those things together and, and that's, you know, that's preseason hype. But then college football journalists and social media are going to do that thing where they start talking about it too early. And by the start of the season, they're fully talking themselves into could this team make the playoff? You know, what they did to Miami last year, and North Carolina the year before. And then they're going to come out and they're either going to suck or they're they're going to be a top 25 team. But we had already convinced ourselves that they were capable of the playoff and it's going to be a letdown. So I'm just going to let everybody run their mouths about Florida State and we will see. Either way, not super happy to have to play them next year. Not super happy we have to play them, but somewhat happy that we got them at home because Ooh. otherwise the home schedule is Cincinnati at home will be cool. But then the other games, we got UNC, which will be a big one, Louisville, Boston College. So that's that's a big game to, to be at Heinz Field. So I feel like uh, North Shore should be rocking that weekend. And mm-hmm. so it, I do enjoy that piece of it, even though they should be pretty tough. But it's it's brutal. It's a brutal schedule. I know a lot of people. There's been some complaining done in the bitching, in the if pit, you will, some bitching, if you will, in the pit fan base about scheduling too hard. I like it. The it's I want to have a higher win total next to our name at the end of the season. But some of these games like Rhode Island in week four is just such a buzzkill. That game, you we had West Virginia to open the season, then we have big games back to back, and then it's uh, we have an FCS opponent in Week Four. I'm glad they're kicking off with Wofford. There's the hype of the season starting. It's still fun. Go down there, kick their heads off, and then after that, every game is pretty exciting. I, I feel like I just the the MAC opponents. Not to disrespect Maction, but I mean Western Michigan coming in and beating you is is not great either. So. I, I appreciate that every game after that first one feels like it really matters. Yeah, I'm okay with the middle ground. I think Cincinnati was looking like a very worrisome game a year or two ago, but I guess we caught a break with Fickle leaving town just in time. So if we can find like a, a middle tier um, out of conference opponent to go, go along with West Virginia, I think that'd be the right way to make the schedule so it's not too lame but not too daunting either like we're not going out and getting oklahoma state i i don't see that happening anytime soon but i agree i i'm all for just a little bit of extra juice i i get where you guys are coming from in that that is what is most fun well i'm Uh, usually the team just give me the win if we're playing a bowl game i don't care if we play bowling green i want the win but yeah i think it's an overall schedule i want to be a little excited nine months out right 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 right. and and like i said if we're talking about most fun give me give me some helmet games uh coming into heinz field you know but i think it's kind of been proven at this point as we wade even further into the playoff era that that the way to go is cupcakes you just shove your face full of cupcakes look at what michigan did last year and they made the playoff they really only needed to beat Ohio state to make the playoff 
and you know and then the sec does their whole thing of the week the penultimate week of the year they all schedule like the citadel it's true the citadel plays 14 sec teams in one weekend (laughs) very impressive that's what we value in our troops but no i i get it i i want fun i'm so pumped we're playing cincinnati and west virginia you know teams that feel like rivals but you know as the playoff expands i wouldn't mind a couple years where they just kind of lined the streets with pastries it's also happens to come in a year where we get notre dame as part of the acc deal (laughs) so that i think pushes it over the edge a little bit where it's like Mm. and in another year we're probably scheduling i think next year we might have kent state or toledo i would have to look not next year 2024 i would have to go check the schedule it's kent okay so on a normal year that is more of a cupcake game but we just happen to line it up with a notre dame visit so or a visit to notre dame so it's definitely a daunting schedule it's a fun schedule and i liked uh the pit players kind of chirping back at some fans who were complaining about the tough out of conference like you guys aren't the ones who have to play. We're the ones who play. We're the ones out on the field. What are you scared of? So, Marcus uh, Williams I, said that to Dokish, which is a great line. You you don't. Oh both, yeah, yeah, both was... of them, both of them. They were both oh, uh, yeah. throwing it out there. So Mark Wes Williams, MJ Devonshire, they're like bring bring all the smoke, and I love that in players. And I get your point, David. It is unfortunate. The unfortunate truth is, if you just load your schedule up with cupcakes and out of conference that gives you the best chance to make the playoff because despite the playoff committee i think originally saying that they were going to look at strength of schedule it very soon turned out to be strength of schedule only matters if you have the least amount of losses at at the end of the year so teams have kind of pivoted on that but i'm I'm all for yeah that's only an that's only an argument they use to keep group of five schools out right exactly yeah so it'll be fun. It'll definitely be interesting. It could go south quick, but I mean, what are we going to do? We just got to play it now. Yeah, I it, it one nice thing about it and and you're right, there is potential for it to go south quickly if Cincy is any semblance of a football program. Uh, you know, we could be starting out potentially two and two don't think we're i'm I'm gonna get on this early don't think we're losing to west virginia they have an absolute murderer's row of a schedule um now that is a tough schedule yeah that is that is bad i almost feel bad for west virginia that's how bad it is the big 12 was very good last year and then they added multiple good group of five schools you know when texas and oklahoma announced that they were leaving, but Texas and Oklahoma are still stuck there for a couple more years. So it's, it's a really even and tough conference and West Virginia is kind of screwed, but all that to say, well, not all that to say we needed to get our shots in on them, but all all that to say, you know, we do have a a tough way of things the first four weeks. Um, But I am happy again to see that uh, a lot of our home, Actually, now that I, I was going to say a lot of our home games are early in the year, so we get the warmth. Um, three of our first four are at, are at home, but then it seems pretty um, one-off and one-on. But we get to enjoy the sun a little bit that first month. The five, what was it, five of the first six last year were at home. Mm-hmm. And not going to lie, it was kind of brutal. Brutal in terms of 
our bodies yes every week i i was going through some fatigue like like i was actually playing in the games so i i appreciate that it's broken up a little more i love Mm -hmm. the good weather tailgates but i also like some character in the tailgates i like tailgating in the snow i like bundling up and throwing some hand warmers in the gloves and in Mm -hmm. the shoes so i can appreciate that as well also bringing back the thursday night on north shore Thursday night always ends up being kind of fun. We've got Boston College there. I know we've had the, that was typically the UNC slot, but mm-hmm. now we've got BC coming and it's always fun to take a half day at work and then a little Thursday on the North Shore. Yeah, I know a lot of people complain about those Thursday nights because people who are more established than us and also have children, uh, they cannot just take off a day and a half of work for a football game and then, you know, roll out of bed hungover on Friday. They have responsibility. But uh, for people our age, it's fun. That UNC right. game was was that uh, that overtime game in the rain. That was a blast, even given the conditions. So before we talk about our ACC destinations, we're going to dive into those. What do we think of the neutral site game? I don't think any of us saw this coming. And I didn't see no. any rumors of a neutral site game anywhere, let alone with Syracuse and New York City. Pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like usually that's something that gets leaked beforehand, and then it was just announced last week. So it's a... I think that is the ideal situation for a game that was going to be at Syracuse. So instead of going to the Carrier Dome, we just play them at a neutral field. New York, a place that has a lot of Pitt alumni. And then Mm -hmm. it makes people who aren't Pitt or Syracuse fans somewhat interested in the game. So I think I think it's a pretty nice get for Pitt's brand. It's instead of having to play in the pinstripe bowl to play in Yankee Stadium, you just have a random regular season game played up there. So I, I think it's pretty cool. For yeah, the last I, 14 years of my life, I think I've considered going to Syracuse for an away game. And I just never have just because it's like, ah, maybe don't. another year, maybe another year. Don't. And it's Do always not. late in the year. It's like, well, they got 17 inches of snow yesterday, so it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I went to Syracuse on a college visit and on the car ride home, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going here. There's there's simply no way you're going to get me to live here for four years. So I would I would not recommend uh, that six hour road trip into the north from Game of Thrones. Um, so that's that's why I do like, you know, in, in some regards, this decision and, and this outcome for Pitt, because this turns the arguably the least desirable destination into oh we can go to new york city for a weekend watch pit football and then do new york tourist things um however i'd be remiss if i didn't say it sucks for the players because (laughs) you know how bad are the field conditions when we try to play on converted baseball fields Fenway, the Fenway weird. Bowl and the Pinstripe Bowl always look miserable. People slipping all over the place, the field not well kept. So that yeah. sucks. And for the fans, there's always those people that are weirdly like 50 yards away from the sideline just because of how they have to weirdly angle yeah. the field. Yeah, the triangulating it or whatever. Um, but, you know, good on Narduzzi. He now has a game that he has an excuse to turn into a rock fight. Like, ah, oh, there's a. 
there's a puddle of mud in the middle of the field. Looks like we're going to have to run it 40 times. I'd be pretty upset if Pitt lost a home game. If I like Syracuse fans have a gripe here, I'd be pretty upset if Pitt lost a home game to be played on a neutral field. Um, Not that we would play ours at PNC Park or anything, although that would be objectively hilarious if they just decided to play in a baseball stadium that's like next door. Yeah, 500 (laughs) yards away. And you use all the same parking lots for. But yeah, tough, tough break for Syracuse, a a team that probably already had his hands full with Pitt coming to town. Oh, yeah. But hey, tough shit. So, Squid, you were saying you wanna you wanna go to NYC for that one. I think we're all in general agreement that that trip to uh to South Bend is looking a little tantalizing for a boys' road trip. Uh, are there any other on the schedule that you think look interesting? I say very segwayly. Morgantown seems like hell, but I feel but like we're it's kind of an obligation. Yeah. That's just pick up, put in, pick up your lunchbox, your lunch pail, get on 79, go do your job, go to the game, get home safely. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I'll be, I'll be watching my drinking and there's going to be a buddy system when it comes to going to the bathroom, but I feel like we should be in attendance. It's only right. Um, but so, you know, as the schedule release came out and we began evaluating dates and locations, um, you know, we, it, it kind of got me thinking, um, what are the most desirable ACC road trip destinations? And I, I figured, you know, this would make for a good Mount Washington. You know, if we, we drafted the best ACC destinations plus Notre Dame, I think they should count Yeah, you know, for the for the practice. Um, and I, I also kind of had a thought for a little bit of a wager that we could put on it to make it a little bit more competitive. Mm, I don't like this. Go on. Uh, so there's this uh, little film that is uh, due to hit theaters, um, actually hit theaters this past Friday with a couple living legends, uh, Jane Fonda, Sally Field, Rita Moreno, and Lily Tomlin. Uh, it's called 80 for Brady. And I don't know if you guys saw the adverts for this movie, but it uh, it looks pretty rough. I don't know who the target audience is. Uh, it's it's the story of four 80-year-old women going on a road trip to watch Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Um, but I think, you know, because it is a sports movie, it'd be wrong of us to not cover it as the journalists we are. So I think whoever loses by vote uh, on this Mount Washington should go see that movie for the loyal sons and then present a little movie review for us on the next episode. This is such a ridiculous idea for a movie. Yes. Is this, I mean, I want to I was going to ask, is this based on a true story? But like, even if it was, it's just for old ladies going to the Super Bowl. Probably not that interesting. Are you sure you don't actually want to see this? And this is your excuse to go uh, to theaters to watch David's it. Throwing so it. Really He's gonna... Pick one, Boston Syracuse. Pick, <laughs> pick two. The ninth circle of hell. No, uh, I, I just think I, I don't, I do not want to see this movie. I'd like to go on the record. Um, but I do think it, it 
would raise the stakes a little bit. We haven't had him out Washington in a while. I just want to put that competitive spirit back in us. You know, who knows it, you know, these, these four actresses are, are, you know, I'm looking at the cast of right day. now. I'm looking at the cast right now. Guy Fieri as himself. Squid might throw this Mount, Mount Washington. <laughs> Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. Oh, Billy Porter. There's a Pittsburgh connection. Okay, I'm in. All right. So, um, so now this one actually matters. We have to think about how we want to order our picks because we usually just don't really care that much. And right, no, tradition is tradition. On the line. Tradition is tradition. We will I decide agree. right now, as we always do. Uh, I am. I will offer to have last pick of the slot that I want. Uh, one because I came up with this, and two because uh, because my current job I'm leaving on Monday. I then have two weeks until my new job starts, so I ha- I have an abundance of time to go see eighty for Brady. Um, maybe see it two or three times, and then really you know vet out my thoughts and put together a very cohesive and succinct report. So I will volunteer uh, to have the last pick. Noble of you. Even though I think the top two, like there's a very clear top two and then a massive drop off. In terms of the destinations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we sure you're not? Posi- he might be positioning himself. <laughs> I promise I am not. Okay, Squid. How do we decide? Um, I have a 50 cent piece. I can flip it. Go for it. All right. Uh, JFK is heads, ironically. Um, and then this building. Oh, Independence Hall. Independence Hall is tails. Uh, Squid, you are the away team. Call it in the air. Give me JFK. Ooh, it's Independence Hall. Dylan? I'll take the second pick. All right, Squid, kick us off. Well, I think this is the clear number one pick. The only reason I think it might not be super clear is because the stadium atmosphere sucks. It's Miami. Taking Miami number one overall. Interesting. That is an interesting choice. Because it's going to go... It, it you know a lot can go into this. Miami yeah. is obviously like the coolest destination on the board, but you know what are you going on a college football trip for? The stadium experience, the college campus, the the city itself. Do you want to see the coolest traditions? So it, an interesting strategy there, Squid. I I think you left the you left my top two on the board. Well, here's my justification. Imagine going down last year. Late in the year, you escape the cold, you're in Miami, you watch Pitt just goon dust the hurricanes, go out in the town of Miami one last night, and then fly back, sleep tight. Yeah, interesting. It was so enticing to you that you didn't go. Okay. Well, um, like $800. Exactly. <laughs> well, there you go. You're really and the selling. game sucked. You're selling your number one overall pick here. Uh, I, I think we probably have the same top two, David, and mm. I, I think it's a coin flip, but 
I'm going to go with the one that we're actually going to go to this year, Notre Dame uh, in South Bend. Um, is that not one of your top two? No. No? Wow. Okay. Well, for all the reasons you just stated, uh, traditions, uh, big, na- big name, big brand, college football. I understand it's in South Bend, and everyone always, oh, I don't want to go to South Bend. I, I went to Notre Dame, Pitt Notre Dame, when I was a junior in high school. And maybe part of it was the first time I was really on a college campus, but I hate Notre Dame. I despise the program, everything about it. And I love the mock everything they stand for. But I mean, it is it's Notre Dame is a huge brand. Touchdown. Jesus is cool. Go see like it's something that you do want to go do as a college football fan. In my opinion, you you got to go. And it's something you got to check out. Yeah, this was absolutely, I think, like a like a first rounder, um, because Notre Dame. I mean, it's Notre Dame. You're going for the experience, the atmosphere. Right. But I've also I've also been to Notre Dame twice and was unimpressed by the campus. And though the stadium was cool, I got it had wooden bleachers at the time, and I got like a bunch of butt splinters. Uh, also, a lot of Catholic dogma, and you, you can either be really into that or not really into that, and and you know that that impacts things. But no, I, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. I heard that the Lene Kakua statue is actually a cool thing to see. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> All right, David, I Christ. think I know what direction you're going now. I, I thought that would have been in your top two, but I, I feel like I know what direction you're going to be going in. Yeah. So in no particular order. Um, now give us an well, order. I actually really struggled with the order. Yeah, give um, me an order so I can put it in the graphic. Fair. Um, give me Florida State first, Tallahassee, Florida. Um, Florida State is an all-time helmet program. They went on that ridiculous run for like 20 years under Bowden. Uh, as far as college campuses, probably one of the coolest and most fun schools in America. Massive party school. Um, and. I mean, for personal reasons, my sister-in-law went there and I would have my own tour guide when I drag her and her pit alum husband along because I'm sure they want to show their kids, you know, it's it's a very pit heavy household and my my sister-in-law probably needs to fight back a little bit more. Um, But I've just heard the most incredible things about the campus, the people, uh, the, the party scene, and then you get to watch a good Florida state team play at Florida state. You get to watch the oh, Seminole whoa, come whoa, out with whoa, the flaming whoa, spear. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we did not specify what Florida state team we are going to see. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. Call it an average Florida state team. You still get to go and watch one of the coolest traditions in college football, which is the uh, member of the Seminole tribe coming out with the flaming spear on the horse. Um, just a really cool environment and it would be a great place to get hammered. And then a very, that was one a for me. One B is Clemson. Um, talk about like another unbelievable atmosphere, unbelievable college town, uh, unbelievable tradition as far as the coolest entrance in college football, other than another one on this list. Um, but you know, Howard's rock, all that. And, and though, you know, we aren't saying we, I couldn't claim a good Florida state team this year, it's going to be a good Clemson team every year. So you're, you're going to see some future NFL guys playing ball. Um, and it's just, it's the closest thing we have to like an sec 
atmosphere in SEC college town uh, in the ACC. So I that was an easy one and two for me. I can't believe you guys let me get away with it. Both those trips are uh, they take a little bit of a bump because you have to, you have to fly to Tallahassee and Clemson. Right. I'm probably not. I mean, we could man down a drive if we really needed to, but. No, both both a little far, but absolutely want to, would love to go to games in both places. And Into that, I would say get your bread up. Maybe if people start buying uh, some more Roback stuff using our code, yeah, throw that little ticker down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Shameless plug. There we go. Maybe a little shameful. Okay, yeah, you kind of blew our heads off with with that at, <laughs> in the three or four, three and four spot. Um, I was thinking Notre Dame and Clemson. Florida State was right be- right behind, so that's yeah. a big one. Um, so Dylan, that Notre Dame pick might end up being like Will Levis in this year's draft. All right, Mister Miami, Miami. <laughs> yeah, like what? You and your twenty closest friends, the only attendees in the stadium. All right, okay. attendance state. Okay, carry uh, on. That that first round through. Uh, got a little, got a little contentious here, but I'm I'm gonna go, and uh, between a couple places that we've been, I'm gonna go Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech Lane Stadium's awesome. When we went, it just happened to be probably the worst game we could have possibly gone to, in the rain, twenty-eight nothing, loss, squid. We've told this story, but as we're walking out of the stadium, trying to call a lift, unsuccessfully calling a lift, just hearing over the PA system. Paris Ford ejected for targeting. <laughs> or number 12, ejected for targeting. And we're like, this this Even is a better. sick joke. It was like comedic timing was at an all-time high. Then couldn't get a lift, had to walk like a mile and a half in the rain to the nearest sports bar. Really selling your pick. Yeah, once again, selling my pick here. <laughs> but to... Okay, to bring it all back here, all that happened, and that was one of the most fun trips I've been on. In in my like, obviously, Pitt ruined it by losing, which they have they happen to do on some of these trips. But everything up until then, it was electric. We went to a few different places. Uh, Sharkies comes to mind. Sharkies was one of the spots we went to. Uh, played a eleven on eleven pickup football game game it was like two plays with a beer can against some virginia tech kids so that was fun they they, they have a fun little tailgate set up down there and uh, lane stadium when enter sandman is worth like every sec like you could just leave the stadium after enter sandman it's i hate that pit will never have anything as cool as enter sandman for the entrance um but Talking it's a shit on neil diamond <laughs> but <laughs> that just <laughs> Yeah, the Ender Salmon is something you have to experience as, as a fan. I hear the food down there is insane, too. I don't know if you guys were just stopping at, like, Taco Bell. At, I think we were still like, in the... I think we were standard still in the issue. of just, like, get cheap pizza at McDonald's. We, yeah. we were, I mean, it we rained were, literally the whole trip, so we kind of just hunkered down at the Airbnb yeah. and ate and that, oh, We also had... As we could. If Mama Lisa, our Uber driver, she's like, cult hero down there she just has her whole 
like minivan decked out in hokey stuff, like all on the outside. She's dressed head to toe in Virginia Tech gear. And then she also gave us her number and we called her at like 3 a.m. when we couldn't get an Uber. And sure enough, she was there picking us up and uh, packing like Incredible. 10 of us into her minivan. So that's another plus. Mama Lisa. Yeah, that wouldn't be on the top of my list just because of the poor experience last time. Um, we left at like 2 a.m. and arrived back in Pittsburgh at the crack of dawn. So anyway, my picks. I'll I'll go to Louisville next. I thought that was a very quality trip we went on last year. Um, quick Once drive. Again, Pitt, Pitt, Pitt's performance kind of ruined it, but... Yeah, I had this conversation literally two days ago with somebody that was like, yeah, it was a real cool city, but that was probably the worst quality of game I could have seen. I thought the tailgate, the tailgate scene, really cool at Louisville. Yeah. The stadium itself, very cool. Um, yeah, I want to steal that stadium and put it in Oakland and paint the seats uh, royal blue. Not yellow? Okay. Also... The downtown area had a lot to do. So if you're one of those people that want to actually experience things on these trips, there's all kinds of museums, Louisville Slugger Museum, the Muhammad Muh- Ali Museum. Yeah. Um, Luke Combs is in town. I thought that we met him, but it was just a different fat guy with a beard who was lying for attention. Um, Good on that guy, to be honest. Yeah. A lot of bourbon if you're into that. Yeah. Went to a bourbon tasting and that was pretty cool. My next Four pick- Street Live. Yeah, all kinds of fun. So great value pick by me in round two. Um, my next pick is going to be Virginia. Never been there. Folklore. A lot of folklore, especially if you have like a week seven, eight game, like the, the prime time of the trees changing. Folklore means foliage. I just, that, is a, <laughs> that is a very inside joke. I'd like to remind <laughs> you guys. See, I forgot it was an inside joke. It's just part of the vocabulary nowadays. <laughs> But everyone says it's like shout out Christian Lejeune, one of the nicest campuses in the country. It was designed by Thomas Jefferson. That's that's about all I got. It uh, is here. No, you're right. It's supposed to be like the most beautiful campus bar none in America. So we'd have a, a good time in Virginia. I know we considered yeah. that for a while. It'll be on the list within the next couple of years for sure. The only thing is Virginia students are kind of dweebs and if you refer to it as a campus, I think they get like really pissy. They call it a grounds, oh, which is the most me. nauseating thing I've ever heard in my life. I would go out of my way to say campus as much as I could. Tattoo it on my forehead when we're down there. Okay. Uh, back to me here. There's a, I feel like the, the cream of the crops kind of been knocked out, but there's one more on here that has been on my list and just, haven't managed to make it there. Uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I really want to get down there. Have heard nothing but great things about the campus. And also, I would absolutely, as like, a, I mean, basketball fan, like diehard basketball guy, hoops junkie, would definitely sneak by the arena, uh, check out some of the. I mean, Michael Jordan was a bum. We all know that, but mm, terrible. I would definitely. Uh, want to check out some of the history around the basketball team and all that. So you could probably hit your ride down with a few dudes from Cranberry for their right. yearly trip. So save on gas money. Yeah. 
man, things are things are thinning out something fierce. Uh, now I'm paying for my my slot. Um, I feel like it's starting to turn into like warm weather. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's six left, and there's th I think three you could convince me to go to, and then three that you you could comp my flight, my tickets, my meals. Like it would not be worth leaving the city of Pittsburgh to go. Um, so I, I think an easy one, um, I'd go to Raleigh for NC State. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina is just kind of like a cool place. It already was, and it, I think it's just becoming cooler by the day. It's it's kind of the East Coast version of Colorado, where everyone realized it's just like a sweet, very beautiful, very young people place, and now it's just exploding. So... I'm going to I'm going to go double on North Carolina and also call in Winston uh Winston Salem for Wake Forest. Um just beautiful drive. Um two towns that I understand are pretty fun. Wake Forest is decent is now like a decent program. That that one I want to go to a lot less cuz it's a really small school and I don't think I've never heard anything big about the atmosphere at those games. But NC State is is a athletics school. You know, they are they are fun. They are competitive. They have a fan base. Um, and, you know, I I want to go somewhere warm like North Carolina. Um, I'm sure there'd be good food there because it is south of the Mason-Dixon line. And we can just make that assumption. Um, insufferable yeah. fans. Yeah, well, we're insufferable, too. And we can we can. You know, beat them at their own game. I think NC State could be a sneaky fun. Yeah, if we get them on the schedule down there in Raleigh, um, yeah, this there's not much left here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick warm weather. I'm gonna go Duke. Uh, looking at Georgia Tech, Atlanta, Atlanta could be enticing. I know you guys didn't exactly enjoy your Atlanta trip for the Peach Bowl. Thank you. Caught caught a tough time to go there, but I'm gonna go Duke. A lot of the same reasons as. Chapel Hill. Um, heard great things about the campus. Haven't been there. Same thing. Would love to check out Cameron Indoor while while I was down there. Some of the history there. Duke football games don't seem very fun, but I feel like I could probably get a ticket for like 30 bucks and sit right on the 50-yard line. So I'm going to go Duke there because lack of other options. And I think this is pretty easy. I'm going Georgia Tech. It's in an actual city with a lot to do and it isn't Syracuse or Boston College. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was an obvious last two remaining. Um Syracuse is miserable and the Carrier Dome is a piece of shit and so is their football team. Uh and then um you could make the argument for going to Boston. I've been to Boston three times and it has underwhelmed me every single time. I think it's very expensive. And uh, the, the thing that they say about mass holes is as far as stereotypes go pretty spot on. So I'm, I'm not surprised that the two coldest bleakest locations in the conference are left on the board. Yeah. Also Georgia tech has a low key, a kind of cool stadium. Mm -hmm. Just, within the city 
I don't imagine that anybody goes to those games. So like Dylan said, just hunker down at midfield, sit behind the bench and listen to Narduzzi stream his guts out. So quick review, all four. So who are squids for? I had Miami, um, Virginia, Louisville, Georgia Tech. Okay, I'm Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, UNC, and Duke. And I got uh, Florida State, Clemson, NC State, and Wake Forest. Gotcha. A lot of Southern feel in your in your picks, David. Yeah, I really, really like comfort food. I like it. Well, we'll put out a graphic for this, let some people vote, and figure out who's going to go see 80 for Brady. This segment was brought to you by 80 for Brady in theaters now. I feel like I have to disclaim that it was not actually like we've <laughs> yeah I, I, for legal reasons. Anyway, basketball. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. So, it's time to talk some hoops here, Pit Hoops. Your Pit Basketball Panthers are currently sitting in second place in the ACC standings right now. Mm -hmm. The team that was picked to finish 14th in the preseason pool by the media, Jeff Cable's Panthers are currently sitting in second behind only Clemson. Fellas, not much has happened. There hasn't been another game since last time. We did get some help from Virginia Tech with their big win over UVA uh, with the same record. Pitt now has the tiebreaker over them with the head-to-head. But Pitt's in the middle of a little ACC title run right now. It's it's February, and we're talking you about said Pitt. it out loud. We're talking. It's February, and we're talking about Pitt maybe winning an ACC regular season title. Do you get yeah, a ring for like that? The end of- I'd make rings for it. I'd, I, I'd hang a banner. Would we? Would you hang a banner? I was actually looking um, last. They definitely have a regular there. season title banner up there, don't they? Just add another. Yeah. Twenty twenty three to it. Hang the banner. Hang the banner. If providing we do the thing, please, please hang please. the banner. Yeah. Yeah, I so, can't believe it, but I'm sitting here looking at Clemson's remaining schedule to see like how many tough games they have left to see how many they might drop and what it would take for us to stay at the top. So the fact we're going to hear is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty crazy where Pitt's sitting. I think before the season, we would have said if they finished in the top half of the ACC, 
that's a big step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But things have changed over the last few months. Pitt's good again, and and we're enjoying every step of it. They've got two games coming up this week against Louisville and Florida State. I believe we've had this exact conversation before. It was an episode before a week where they had Louisville and Florida State on the schedule. And we said, just beat these two teams who have the worst records in the ACC, and we're in good shape. Last time, it didn't exactly go our way. Uh, we have Louisville at home on Tuesday. Then we go down to Florida State Saturday noon game. I said it before about these bad losses. These are two games that Pitt simply cannot lose with the way the ACC uh, is shaking out, with the way the bubble is shaking out. Pitt currently sitting around 9-10 seed in most plays firmly in as opposed to being one of those last four in, maybe a team who has to play in a playing game. I think this is a game. This is a week where please just take care of business against these two bad teams. You can stomach a loss maybe on the road to Virginia Tech, Miami, um, one of these tougher road games. You can't drop another to a quadrant four team. No, but can I can I acknowledge how cool it is to be able to move the goalposts in a positive way? Like you, you said we would have been happy with just like a top half finish, but we have now in the last week moved the goalposts from making the tournament because a lot of the projections are showing us firming up our position in it to an ACC regular season title. And I just want to call that out so that we can acknowledge how cool that is. I was watching Big East championship uh, games on YouTube over the weekend. So I'm ready. I'm so ready. I'm loving, loving this pit basketball being good is so fun. I almost forgot how fun because they haven't been good since we've been adults, really. Like I've been thinking about what are we going to do if Pitt's playing in like an ACC semifinal game on a Friday night? And I'm like, well, before we won't have school in the morning, we want. Yeah, before it was like, oh, well, after my basketball practice or, you know, I'm probably just watching in the living room or one of one of my friends basements. But now we have to start thinking about where we'll spend our night. What, what bar we're going to watch at? How what, how are we going to do a watch party for this? Like, this is fun. This is a lot of fun. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Please win these two games this week. Um, we're not going to talk too much more hoops because they haven't played since the last time we talked about the UNC game. But we are going to talk hoops with a pit legend. Absolute pit legend. Uh, Chevy Troutman joining the show. Uh, great interview with him coming up. Uh, I, I think we had this expectation going into it that it would just kind of be playing the hits and we'd play a game of uh, men would rather sit around and name random athletes than go to therapy. And we'd just ask him questions that were essentially member member Julius Page. How cool was it playing with Brandon Knight? Member member Chris Taft, but he he it kind of went a totally different direction. He had a lot of really really valuable insight on um, what it means to be a student athlete and kind of the way that uh, college basketball has changed since he some of the opportunities that he wishes that he had back then. You know, and and kind of just his general insights on the way since the early two thousands. Uh, you know college sports are now driven by the athlete a lot more 
as opposed to, you know, when it was just the NCAA and the coaches making millions made all the calls and you just kind of had to sit there and take it. So I'll, I'll shut up now and, and let Chevy do the talking, but uh, really, really thankful he came onto the show and enjoy. Welcome to the show today. We've got Pitt basketball legend Chevy Troutman joining us today. Chevy, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an honor to have you. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Me and David were saying how you were part of the pit teams that really made us fall in love with basketball, not to make you feel old, mm -hmm. but like when we were seven, eight years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny because before we came, before my group came here, a few of us, we got together and we, we had a little chat right before we signed it. We was like, if we come, if we come to a school, we're, we're going to win. And it doesn't matter, you know, what school it was. It just so happens to be Pitt. Well, so with some of those guys you came to Pitt with, you absolutely did win. Uh, at the at the Pete last Saturday against Miami, we actually honored the 20th anniversary of that 2003 Big East Championship team. What was it like to be back in a in the Pete, a packed house, and just to kind of relive that that first Big East Championship team? Um, it was real. Actually, it was really nice. Um, you know, Pitt has had had our little our little time where we was, you know smacking on people all and it was normal for everyone and then we had our little down down downtime but uh you know the staff up there right now is like you know putting it together and the tradition that we started back then is coming back and it, it was nice it was nice that they finally started doing some traditional stuff to recognize some of the players that came through they had a big impact the foundation with their starting to, you know, keep on recognizing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they owe, they owe your guys group everything. I mean, the, the Peterson event center was built on your backs and this entire program. Uh, we owe everything to you guys. Uh, do you still get to stay close with some of the guys from that team? Oh yeah. I mean, time has passed. Life has gone on. But, uh, yeah, we still have mostly open airways with a lot of the guys. Uh, we, we we always talk about, you know, we've seen the, this, uh, this image of the gym and what it was supposed to do for the players. Like, that's what brought us here that long ago. And to see it come into light for the newer kids, it's like, it's nice and sad because, like, you know, they're, they're bearing all, all the fruits of, of the <laughs> And they – you know, with the new rules and stuff, they have a little bit more control nowadays than we did back then with their careers. Yeah, NIL's given uh, given them a little bit of leverage, uh, you know, to make their own decisions. Uh, if, if, NIL, if NIL was around in 2003, what would have been the ideal NIL setup for Chevy Troutman? What local business would you want to be, you know, shelling for? Actually, I don't know, but I know uh, back then it wasn't any. There wasn't any influencers like you know on Instagram and right. all this social media stuff. I know back then, before all of that, like I was, I wasn't an influencer, but I was very visible and recognized around. So, like, honestly, <laughs> I don't know if I, I probably w wouldn't have had to play basketball if 
if I was back when there was NIL. NI, what, NIL? It's NIL? Yeah, yeah. Name, likeness, and image, or image and likeness? Yeah, I, I honestly don't think that I would have had to play basketball. To be straight up. You think you, you could have been an Instagram influencer? I I would have had some kind of leverage for sure. And I was I was um very approachable. I, I love socializing. I love being around the you know um events. I, I didn't mind going places and doing all that kind of stuff. It was easy for me back then. Yeah, I imagine being six eight and personable is kind of a cheat code in life in general. Uh, I'm yeah. I wish I was six eight, <laughs> like six. I would say somebody measured me like a couple weeks ago. I was like, I'm I'm easily like six four and some change, but they measured me with a tape measure with no shoes on, and they measured me at six six. So I'm gonna start saying I'm six six now. What did they list you at back in the day? Because you were playing the Big East against playing amongst the trees. I know they had to bump bump you up an inch or two. No, nah, it was six. I think it was six seven, six seven with my basketball shoes on. It wasn't fun. I was never a five. I it just I'm, I'm say that out there. I had way more to offer than showing you guys how to make a layup and bang with those big. It was not fun, and I don't know how. I... Wikipedia has you at six eight. By the way, so I know. I think you should run with that. That's fake news. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously, uh, kids today, they have some other influences around them, the NIL, helping them make their college choices, but uh, that wasn't really around back when you were getting recruited. What was it that drew you to pit uh, over here to Oakland out of Williamsport High School? It was fam mainly family. Uh, we, we grew up in, you know, family type, you know, narrative, like, oh, family's family over everything, but... I mean, as you get older and stuff, sometimes, you know, family, uh, you know, some of your close friends or something like that, you even met before. Like, I know most of my very, very dear people I consider family are international. So, I mean, it's a little bit different for everyone. But in my experience and nowadays, like, it's hard. It's hard to find those connections that are like the old school stuff. So you're yeah. able to, to find that when you, when you came to pit and, and check the place out. Um, I would say on that picking the school, it was more or less, um, it was more or less. I didn't want to go far from my family, you know? Gotcha. So like, like Penn state would be, would be the optimal choice for, my my selfish city that I come from, they would have wanted me to go to Penn State because it's close, um, and or or down towards Philly. So because I knew that I freaking I just had to go the opposite route of everyone else. <laughs> That's just how I always rolled. They say you can't go there or play there. I mean most most of the the NCAA they thought that I was a Atlantic Ten player and. When I heard that, I was just like, I got to prove them wrong. I'm not going 18. But then, you know, D Dap, Dap was there. He was the coach recruiting me. And after I, re after I went there, I got another message from someone on the AU 
uh, scene and said that uh, I could never play in the Big East, and then that was that was one of the kickers. I wanted to go to Conference UFC or USA because of Cincinnati and uh, Bob Huggins. I wanted to go play in that kind of environment, mm-hmm. but it was seven hours away, and that was a that was like my threshold, you know, of That's how far. Yeah. yeah, from Williamsport, I think it was seven hours. I wanted to be able to get in the car and get be back home in like four hours, but I didn't even have a car, and I don't even know why that was the that was the. <laughs> You so, know, <laughs> so the dude that told you that you could never play in the Big East, did you ever uh, check back in on him when you were first team all Big East in 2005? No, no, I didn't. Um, no, I, I actually didn't. I haven't heard from him. And I mean, he was they were like AU guys back then. And I think maybe they was a little bit more unregulated. So it was, could have been personal agendas. And yeah. Back in the day, the players didn't have no say, no control. Like they went to school, and then they either the either the person that told them if they came there, they was gonna play all the minutes. They get there, and now they're what can they do? They just gotta try not to think about it too much and and go through the trenches, and hopefully you get some time on the court. Well, that brings up another difference with today's game. Um, back in in your day when you were playing a lot of the best programs, especially Pitt, you know, they're built off four year guys, guys who were at Pitt. Like you said, if you don't play right away, you couldn't transfer right away or else you're sitting out a year. So how do you think um, from then to now with how the transfer portal is, how different do you feel like college basketball is because of the transfer portal? It feels like it's almost a completely different game because if you get on campus and you're not getting PT right off the jump, well, let me just put my name in the portal and find somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's important because then you don't – I mean, players get to actually play or they get the, a chance to – I mean, it's good It's a, It's a. good and bad, me saying this, but, like, the players actually have some leverage, you know, with their careers and what – if if someone else is going to waste their career or waste their time or waste their efforts, like, they can't do that now with the – with this new rules. And I'm sure if we had this back in the day, uh, Pitt would have probably been broken up back then. And I'm not saying it would have, I'm just saying that it's a possibility because, you know, when you're playing, when you're on on a team and you're not, and somebody's one of the uppers like coaches or, you know, management or whoever's in charge is telling you, Hey, you're going to play, you know, just wait your time and you're not playing. And then a game goes by, you didn't get in the game or you got in garbage time. You're not performing. You can't get a chance to perform. There's not enough time to show anything special. Like, you know, those players would have probably uh, tested the waters. Yeah. It's definitely, I know I had, I had those, those moments because, you know, if you're practicing, if you're in practice and you're doing amazing and you don't get in the game, like it, it plays tricks on, on a, a serious athlete when they're like, you know, they're in a difficult spot and they're pouring all of their, their energy into this, trying to be a, a quality product for the school. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they're, uh, they have school on top of that. So like, I mean, that, that candle's getting burnt at both ends, and there's hardly any time for rest or 
you know, any of that stuff. I don't know how it is today, but that's how it was back then. Yeah, it's a bit of give and take. And, you know, it, it's it's great that the kids who, you know, burn the candle at both ends, but see nothing for it on in terms of an on the court product, get the opportunity to uh, look around in the portal and they have, you know, a lot more autonomy that's very new to the collegiate level. There's also the trade-off. Like, we would have never seen those great pit teams in the early 2000s where there was so much senior leadership and guys were able to stick around and develop for four years, you know, if guys were able to take off after not seeing the court. On one. So it's, it's you know, there's a give yes. and take to it. But but some sometimes um, the casual user or, or the casual watcher sometimes forget what the, what the athlete's there for. You know, uh, some athletes are there for their education. Some of them are like, I'm, I'm, I'm only here for sports. I was one of the guys that was just, I knew, I knew before I was coming to, to college that I could have played pro basketball and made fine, more financial, like I could have made more money and even probably went that route and came back to, to America after four or five years of intensive training in the European market to come back home to play you know, uh, professional basketball here, like, you know, it depends on the mindset, you know, of the players. Yeah, there, there's definitely no shortage of avenues uh, for young basketball players to take their career after high school. Yeah, yeah. So some people, some people are uh, career driven and some people are money driven. Uh, I come from a, uh, upbringing where there was no financial support so it was not easy to come through college with the little bit of money that they gave us even though they they gave us uh, a college scholarship I mean honestly after going through college I mean my I you know my college scholarship wasn't nothing but a college experience around uh the the kids that were there you know and the, showing us the institution and how big, big organizations can, can run. Um, I can't say that other than the networking, the visibility and uh, being able to perform on the court a few years, not my whole time. Like I only played like, seriously, I could have played more minutes than I did at Pitt, but because of the, the structure, you know, I don't think, and I'm sure a lot of players don't feel that they maximize their potential while they was in college. Interesting. So yeah. you think it's deep, it's deep. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So was there ever any thought for you while you were at Pitt? Like maybe after your second year, after you started playing a little more, was there ever any thought where like, I'm going to get out of here and go play overseas and start making some money? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a loyal player. I'm a I'm a team person. Uh, I've been through a lot before I went to college. You know the dynamics and the demographic that I come from, um, but it did cross my mind. But I'm too I was too I'm too loyal of a person to, you know, just you know do something like that without a little bit of coaching. And we're young back then. We 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 still needed guidance. We still needed structure. I mean, I still enjoyed the college college experience i would never trade it you, maybe i would trade it, it in hindsight, but as of now you know the you know what i did for this help do for the school um 
the appreciation that they show, it gives a different sense in hindsight. But in my early years of coming through school, um, if the name player and likeness, this NIL thing was there uh, easily, I would have went for the money and uh, grabbed it because I knew that I was going to be a pro somehow, some way anyways, before I came to Pitt. Well, we're very happy we, we got you here instead. I would have loved for you to get to squeeze a couple you know, more bucks out of your, your late teenage years, but we, we as Pitt fans are very happy that we had Chevy Troutman here uh, you know, winning rings. I feel, I feel uh, that the city embraced me enough to, to keep me here even after, you know, after college because I know a lot of people – when they come to college, they don't stay there. They go back to their, their locals. I was pulled to go back to live in different places after, but you know, the loyalty to the infant part of recognizing the former players uh, that the basketball side of everything had back then, it did pull me because it was somebody had to start it. You know, I'm not going to say I was the only one, but I definitely was a big visual Every year after I left back in the gym, I practiced up in the weight room every year. They always accepted me. I got my contracts sent to, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but my contracts, I printed them out up there in the media relations. They helped me make sure that I, I was <laughs> all signed up and ready to go back overseas. Um, but yeah, they embraced it. But now the tradition looks like it's like, uh, say for instance, like big institutions, that always had basketball tradition, you know, especially with this last event that they did. They did it better than the last one, and the last one was better than this. So they keep on upgrading these events for the players, the former players. They're, easily they're going to have a nice pedigree of people returning, familiar faces. They'll be able to, you know, say some names and like people like you and Younger and in the middle part between you and I, like people will always remember. And it's a good moment for most of the people. It's crazy. It's crazy what the yeah. image that you guys have us in or the light that you guys have us in, because sometimes you get lost. You don't you don't feel it. You know, when you get recognized, it, it's like, wow, I did something good, you know? Yeah. And I think part of the reason that, you know, your era is, is so, so revered and, and you know, you're your card still swipes, you know, at the Peterson is, is because pit basketball for the last 20 years has been the de facto pro basketball team in the city of Pittsburgh. You know, we don't have yeah. an NBA team. We just have the Panthers. So everybody got on board was, you know, you, you've been able to get a lot of respect, you know, during your career and after your career, because you guys were such a huge deal in the city. But was there added pressure on you when you were playing for Pitt, knowing, you know, how much the city relied on the Panthers from a basketball perspective? No, not for me, because I was just out there hooping. I was out there just doing what they asked me to do. I wasn't out there trying to show that I have way more to show. <laughs> I was out there just <laughs> saying, playing tough, hard-nosed basketball and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I, I didn't really I didn't really think about that because again there's another side to it. You guys see the you know the on the court stuff, but you know the lives off this courts for a lot of players back then were you know it was kind of tough. You know trying to just you know do what you're supposed to do um, and survive on 
you know, the finances that you really don't have and you're trying to stretch them and, oh, then you got class and then you're like, oh, I can't pay my bills. Uh, my rent's going to be a little bit short trying to figure out like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Making, not making moves like in a bad way, but trying to just organize yourself so that you can stay a little bit sane because I know a lot yeah. of us you know, were, were struggling. You had, you had too much going on to, to get blinded by the bright lights, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. We was focused on basketball. We was just trying to win. I think another reason the city rallied around Pitt basketball so much, and obviously being the, the marquee basketball team in the city didn't hurt, but you also kind of represented that that Pittsburgh toughness that everyone refers to, you know, the steel mills, the blue collar. Mm. Um, do you feel like that was something that was a conscious thing where the coaches wanted to instill that or was it solely like the players are just like this is how we play so the coaches coach and the players play and you can't change a player style like when you bring a player in if he's not tough you can't make him tough <laughs> you know um back then i think my first my first i remember coming in our freshman class like um, we came in as rookies and it was tough for the older players to beat us in practice when we was like clicking and not like understanding like the dynamics of politics and all that kind of stuff and like who's playing and why and this and that. And it's just like, you know, when we wasn't thinking about that kind of stuff, like, you know, our freshman class was really, really hard to beat just without, you know, just off of us coming in and being there. After a while, it started changing the dynamics. We didn't play as much together. Some people got to play more than others. Some had to redshirt. You know, some had to sit out just because they wasn't going to play. So, like, you you know, it. a lot of stuff changed. But, you know, during that time, a lot of the players learned that, hey, when I come to practice and that guy's there, he's going to be tough. It is, I got a player or else I'm going to look bad. And then it just kind of turned into that over time. So, you know, a lot of players had more to offer uh, on the pretty side to be to to show themselves to be real professionals, even on the NBA level. A lot of them didn't even get a chance to play pros, but, you know, they could have played pro. But because of what I guess they went through in college, it didn't pan out. I mean, I know I almost wasn't a pro after becoming what honorable mention, third team all Big East and nothing my senior year. I knew I was forced to come back that fifth year, that redshirt fifth year. And not to say I had to be a little bit selfish, but I had to be more aware if I was mm -hmm. pro because with the style of our game the year before, it didn't promote me to look like I was capable to be a pro after. And we didn't win anything major. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that year i had to make a conscious effort to take more role more action upon myself being a senior and not let in you know other players or the style of our play dictate our play you know because that our play dictated a lot of people's career because they didn't get to show anything so they never got a chance and i'm sure some of the players you know when they look back they probably feel like really strong i was actually talking with somebody uh over the weekend and you know players feel some type of way because they're there to play you know not sit mm -hmm. and watch and you know when you're at this level it's like a different 
mindset. It's like a different life. Like you see what you see, you know, I hope y'all understand that. No. Yeah. Especially the bit about Pitt's play style, not really lending itself to guys being able to really be superstars. Um, we actually, last week um, we were talking to a Pitt journalist, Jim Hammett, and he, he mentioned how, uh, specifically about how Jamarius Burton on the team this year is kind yeah. of a playmaker, the likes of which we never had, mostly because even the greatest pit teams were so even and so unselfish yeah. that it didn't really lend itself to a guy being a 25-point-per-game guy. And I could see how yeah. that might have trickled down to your pro prospects. Well, that's, that's probably one of the main uh, – us being such a team-oriented – team the only year that we probably could have really did damage is that Marquette year when we did have a like we were solid we was solid as probably any pit team other than maybe the final four team that they had if we didn't have a mediocre second half or if some guys probably didn't relax or some guys not going to say their name didn't participate when we needed them the most like we for we we probably would have had more pros come out of the organization a little bit earlier than they started going to the NBA or even getting NBA shots or something. Um, so yeah, uh, we definitely didn't have that type of player uh, back then because we was too we was too unselfish inside of our inside of our system. So looking at this year's team and how there's been a little bit of resurgence because Pitt's been down for a few years. There's no, there's no arguing that. Um, are, are there any players from this year's team that you look at and think like, yeah, that guy could have played with us? Um, yeah. I mean, we, we didn't play such a, we had a lot of athletes uh, back then, high flyers, uh, but our style of play didn't lend that didn't show none of that because we we weren't always out in transition like every second or something people weren't moving we was pretty stagnant back in the day we controlled the pace because we need to be inside of our offense we had to control the pace because we had a slow offense you know it wasn't an up pace team I was I came I came from a basketball school that you know loved to get up and down the court we ran I came to pit I had to slow down and change my whole form. I gained freaking 25 pounds or 30 pounds when I came to pit, but I was, I had, I was more vertical, uh, before I, I, before I transitioned into the style. Um, but we, we couldn't really showcase it really inside of the system. So is there any, any one guy from this year's pit team that you, you would have liked to play with? A um, Burton, a Blake Henson, uh, they, I, honestly, the way that they're playing up there, they all could have played on our team. You know, they all would have contributed. You know, they're athletic, they're fast, they're sure, they're strong with the ball. They they would have been able to handle it. They actually probably are better than us, to be honest. They have wow. some athletic, athletic fours, athletic fives that were comparable to us. Um and then it's a different game. Now it's now the players are scientifically curated. You know what I mean? Like from training and all this, like we didn't have that. We we just went into I went in the room and I just did the workout as fast as I could in every rep possible, whatever they put on. 
you know, and that was like shocking to them, but that was my style. I didn't know what else to do. We didn't have like a, a scientific uh, graph that was like, Hey, do it like this. Yeah. I'm sure if, if I had a graph or some kind of science behind my, my workouts, like I would have, I'd have been 10 times more stronger, 10 times more athletic than, than I actually was, you know? So these players are, these players of are that are up there right now are, are of, of high quality and, and congrats to the coaching staff up there for keeping them together and keeping them there and the weight room system too, the weight, the weight training, like all that stuff, like that's admirable. That's really high praise. Yeah. I, I mean, I watched them. I've been up there. I go up there often in my later years. I mean, I'm not in the mix as much. I'm not hooping. So I don't go to the gym to work out. I don't go in the back gym to shoot. I do check in on them and I do like, you know, speak with the people that are, are there. And uh, I don't really, I'm not really that kind of guy that, you know, I'm going to say, if I say something, I'm not going to waste my, my breath. Like I, I will give uh, praise when praise is due. Love it. Well, we're winding down here, but uh, me and David have probably the toughest question for you yet. We want your Mount Rushmore. We call it Mount Washington because it's a local Pittsburgh thing, but we want your Mount Rushmore of Pitt basketball players. So we, give us four names that you would put up on the mountain. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I told you. It was uh, yeah. I could be I could be biased right I'll give you five people, but I could be biased. <laughs> okay. okay. Because I I have something with these people. Okay. Um, I would love to have played with, with Mr. Lane. <laughs> I love to have played with, with Clancy. Um I I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go very sideways this way. <laughs> um, but Yuri from from Pittsburgh was was Demetrius, you know, very, he didn't get his chance and he didn't get his, his shots when, you know, he needed to show best for the city. Um, I'd say, uh, we got some tough one. Kate, uh, Keith Benjamin was one of the best athletes I've ever seen come through at 17. Um, everything didn't pan out his way, but he was one of the high profile players and i would say julius page i mean we was the three that came in that year uh that was we came in together and we freaking was like we're gonna win and we came in and inadvertently we did um there's a lot of other players i i could have even easily said but those was the ones on the top of my brain yeah just to just to for for context for anyone that wasn't around during this era, you played with Brendan Knight, Julius Page, Chris Taff, Carl Krauser, Aaron Gray, Antonio Graves, Yuri Demetrius, Jaron Brown, Lavon Kendall, and Ronald Ramon during your time at Pittsburgh. So Chris no Taft is one of Chris Taft is one of the most phenomenal players that I've ever had the the ple the not pleasure, but experience to like fight against in practice. He's by far one of the best big men's to ever step on a, in a pit basketball game. I played in the summertime with Steve Adams. He was phenomenal also as a 
when I first saw him as a freshman, phenomenal person. And I knew he was going to be a pro before. And we talked about it before he, like his summer that he got here. Mark McCarroll is another one. Unbelievable talent. John DeGroat, Ronald Ramon. I can spew <laughs> out LeVance Fields, Carl Krauser. He was freaking awesome too, because he had the show. Um, yeah, the list goes on. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are some amazing names. It was an amazing era for Pitt basketball. And uh, I know we're all hoping that we can kind of re reclaim them glory days. But uh, Chevy, you were part of the part of the foundation that built it all. Uh, can't thank you enough for your time coming on with us. Uh, it was awesome for us. You know, you were one of one of our idols when we were younger. Yeah, Made us fall in love with basketball. So absolutely appreciate you coming on. and uh, We'd love to do it again sometime. Yeah, no problem. Like I said, uh, give me a shout and we can organize. All There's right. so much more. There's so much oh, more. Oh, we can tell. We can <laughs> tell. We just scratched the surface, man. <laughs> I, you guys didn't even get get past the first layer. This is just a little introduction. This is, yeah. this is let people ease into it and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. Uh, they'll love that. So, But yeah, Chevy, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on. And as always, hail to pit. Hey, thank you very much. Can't wait till the next time. Yeah, absolutely. We'll hold you to it. <laughs> I'll be here. Once again, thank you to Chevy Troutman for joining us. And thank you to you all for listening to this episode of The Loyal Sons. But before we send everybody into the sunset, Squid, Dylan, hit me with some final thoughts. Jim Beheim is so insufferable. Like... <laughs> We dislike the guy for a lot of reasons, but I think he's just kind of ruining his legacy by being a dick. He always shits on reporters, specifically student reporters, his post-game press conferences. And then out of the blue, he just takes shots at Pitt and Wake Forest for, quote, buying teams out of the blue. Financial juggernauts, Pitt and Wake Forest. Like, I can't. Yeah, he... He, college coaches just stick around too long all the time. I mean, he's 78 years old. Like, go retire. Enjoy retirement. Go do something else. Yeah, your kids are gone. What are you sticking around for? Your stop team stinks. Playing, still playing a 2-3. It's just, just stop. Just get out of here. Uh, Jim Beheim. Man, I, I can't stand that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, better. Brandon Knight coming out of the woodwork to throw a jab at him, too. Yeah. Say, hey, you've been around for a while. We know what you do. They were under pretty brutal sanctions back in the day. So, yeah, he's at 78. He's ill equipped to operate a mo motor vehicle, much less a college basketball program. He, he just needs to stop, man. He's been doing this old curmudgeon thing for so long. And I, I just, just can't get over the, the schools he selected to, to harp on. I mean, we could run down the list of how we got everyone in this transfer portal. Um, but honestly, now that I think about it, I think we should be honored that Pitt was even accused of having buy entire team money. Mm -hmm. Hey, even if Pitt does start to do that, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. Let's buy all. If we can get the money, buy whoever we can find. But I mean, it's legal now. Yeah. What is he bitching about? Bitching yeah. the bitch. 
go drive off into the sunset and pick your nose somewhere else. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Well, that leads to uh, one of my final thoughts. I mentioned Brandon Knight. His number 20 is retired up in the rafters at the Peterson Event Center. And it brings me to a question that was posed on, we posed on Twitter this week. Um, is it time to retire Dewan Blair's number? There's a bit of momentum behind the pit basketball program again, and some videos floating out there around Dewan Blair and just kind of reminded of how much of a beast he was at pit. And the overwhelming sentiment was, yes, this is a no brainer. Pitt should absolutely retire his number. You did have, a handful of people who I don't know if they just want to be different or they're just miserable who are like, Oh no, he only played two years at Pitt. He, they didn't win a national championship with Dewan Blair at Pitt, but uh, I, th- I think 45 should be retired. Dewan Blair was a first team all American went to Shenley high school, like a hundred yards from the Pete came to Pitt, led them to the most successful season they've had ever pretty much besides like the 1939 national championships that they claim and just <laughs> just an absolute home hometown hero legend was best player in the big east gave us some of the best memories of pit basketball we can remember uh, who, who's gonna have the balls to even try to wear that number 45 in a pit uniform again has no one worn it since it's a good question I, I didn't do that research oh, well I don't think so I either way I mean Man, you were talking earlier about like being a younger kid planning your day around pit basketball. That him throwing Hashim Thabit over his shoulder is the number one remember where you were moment for me in pit basketball history. I was in my basement. I had a St. Sebastian game earlier that day and booked it home for that top five matchup. And I was still in like my warm ups, jumping up and down, like, oh my God, how did he do that? It was number one versus number three, I believe. And then you have Pitt UConn, already a pretty big rivalry in the Big East. Pitt in the midst of the best season they've had in the program's history. And you have a kid from Pittsburgh flipping a future lottery pick over his shoulder. And it was just the perfect like summation of what Pitt basketball was. Like, we're tougher than you. We'll beat you up. Hard-nosed, gritty, and it's... I, I think if there's one image of pit basketball from the early 2000s, mid 2000s, uh, that's that's the picture you think of when you think of pit basketball. Yeah. Speaking but, of pictures, whether they retire his jersey or not, I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I don't know who makes that decision, what goes into it exactly. But there was a great suggestion on Twitter that there needs to be a mural of Dewan Blair slinging Hashim over his back somewhere in the peat. So at the very least, let's get one of those. The most underrated part of that entire thing is that Blair probably could have been ejected for that, but the call was a reaching foul on Thabit. That was now, just Big East basketball, baby. Nowadays, I was watching the clips from that game. Nowadays, Dewan Blair would have been on the bench in the first half with two fouls like three minutes into the game. Just a completely different era, a completely different conference, completely different w- way of life. The big Jim Calhoun would have stormed off the bench, then the like review that, review that. Yeah, would have called Blair for a hook and hold, and instead of pit ball, it would be UConn ball. Blair gets his 
extra foul on the bench, two free throws for UConn. Better times, better times. Mm. Quick, quick side note: we don't have to derail this too much, but when is Kenny Pickett's number? Kenny Pickett's number eight getting retired. Hopefully, they can wait until the on-campus stadium is announced. I think that'd be the perfect time to do it. But I mean, eight will be retired, that right? Long. Yeah, yeah. At some point, Maybe I think they, they need to time it up with uh, one of his Super Bowl wins. I we still have Aaron Donald to go. Donald will get his jersey retired. Eight and, and ninety-seven together. We'll see. We'll space it out. I'm sure it's in the works. Yeah, gotta be. Uh, my final thought is just some uh, some news to share with all of you guys about the show. Um, you might have caught it at the beginning of the show. We have a new presented by. Um, so I guess the news would then be. Uh, we have begun working with an organization called Section 5. Um, Section 5 is a kind of marketing outlet that has a podcast network specifically for ACC podcasts, founded by a couple really good dudes um, in Blacksburg, Virginia. They're a bunch of Virginia Tech grads. Uh Pat Finn, John Iezzi, and uh, and Billy Ray Mitchell. Um, and they reached out to us uh, to kind of help expand their network. And uh, we've been working this deal out for a couple of weeks. Uh, just, a, just a couple important things to say on this. Um, first of all, we want to thank the hell out of Pittsburgh Sports Now for working with us and giving us the opportunity. Um, we are, are no longer working with them, but uh, we loved those guys. They gave us a massive opportunity. Uh, you know, and, and we've we've got to work with some really great people. Uh, George Michalowski, uh, Harry Paseris. Harry, if you're listening to this, are we still Greek? Even though we aren't in your technically in the family anymore, or do we do we get pronounce his name right? So I think we're still in the yeah. He 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 told us that sad. we're in his family, and because we're in his family, we're Greek. And I just want to know if we can still be Greek because I really like Spanakopita. We are still going to very much be the same loyal sons in terms of content. We're going to try to clean up a couple things and be more consistent. But uh, we know that you don't listen to us because we are Scott Van Pelt or, you know, Al Michaels or anything. You know, we're we're just a couple dickheads out here having fun. And we will always maintain that same uh, fly by the seat of our pants energy. Yeah, we're excited for the opportunity to do some cross collaboration. Working with some other ACC schools might be able to get us some score some guests, some some more insight on some of these other teams and how things operate. But just really excited. It's the it's the standard. Really excited for the opportunity. Uh, we're blessed and honored and humbled to receive this offer and to commit. Um, what are, what are some other recruit oh, buzzwords? Man, respect we... my decision. Instead of doing this announcement, we should have just made like a notes app post and made it. We still can. We, we can do that on Twitter. We can do that okay. on Twitter. Yeah. But like I said, this is not going to change our style Wait. at Squid, all. Can you make a graphic like a like a very. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like we'll put like, <laughs> like with our, our faces on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. We'll whip something up. Yeah. yeah we're, we're, that, that'll I'll be put good. us in some pick uniforms too, like we're players. This is this is also part of the new deal is. During the podcast, we actually do plan, and you get the behind-the-scenes look of how we decide to do things. It's exactly like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how this works. Um, work. I think that's a 
that's how where we can close this one out. Pit basketball is fun again. We're making new friends, new sponsors, and uh, wow, this is. Remember our first episode? Uh, again, our the first episode we released, or the first three that we recorded, and the ones release. we tried to record, we all just showed up at your house, and we were just like, so. What are we going to use to record this? We all kind of looked at each other like, yeah, I guess we didn't think of that. Did we just use your phone? I think so. Because we didn't do videos. I think we might have just used. Yeah, we were sitting around recording on a note. Uh, that was fun. Well, how far we've come. How far we've come. But as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.